Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to have be in the house of the Lord tonight. And I know it's good to see James Andrews was here a while ago. Good to have all of you in the house of the Lord. I'm thankful. And we started this morning and we were talking about the um, sense of uh, the covenant with the Lord and specifically uh, through celebrating the Lord's Supper. And we were, we celebrated, we took communion this morning and, and we talked about how that Abraham, it was part of their culture and custom to uh, celebrate with a meal it solidified the uh, the covenant. It would, there was a called a covenant of salt, and it was done with Abraham uh, when he made a covenant with the Lord. He brought them food, the angels and the Lord in a theophany form. And then Isaac, when he um, actually there records an enemy that. Uh, came against uh, Isaac and um, uh, by the name of Ahimelech and he uh, was in Abimelech rather and he was uh, had been uh, fighting with Isaac and yet they finally made peace and they sat down and ate a meal. Jacob did the same with his father-in-law when he was trying to get permission to finally leave Laban and finally they made this covenant that they would not uh, be antagonistic toward others, each other. And so much goes along with that. And we talked about Passover, that first blood sacrifice that went on the doorpost and how that signifying uh, this, this treaty, this bond, if you will, and once you had broken bread, and once you had had that fellowship, there was a sense of this uh, was being was further ratified. It's like uh, symbolically, now we're friends, we're eating together. And I know that there are families, and uh, hopefully yours is not one that you know, uh, get together and have some sort of a symbolic meal, and really everybody can't stand to be with everybody. But we suffer through it for an hour, or we suffer through it for 45 minutes, and we, you know, we think, oh, I gotta brace myself, and I don't know if I can take it, and, and I understand, and that's real, and I know you, you try to do what you can to get along. Hopefully, like I said, that's not everybody's family. Hopefully, there are people that you enjoy going out to uh, have a meal with or you enjoy spending time with. But uh, this was part of a covenant that it was we are together. And then when they went up to Mount Sinai, again, several of the elders went up and they ate and they ate and drank with the Lord. Another symbol uh, that was not only 
For them, it was a symbolism of we're married. Obviously, they didn't get married to the Lord at that point, but they, uh, the Jews to this day will celebrate that uh, marriage ceremony with uh, a tent-like structure uh, signifying the cloud. And, and they do that as symbolic of this covenant that God originally made with the children of Israel. Jesus himself, we mentioned these this morning numerous times, his first miracle, and so many times when he said to Zacchaeus and others, this is, uh, I'm coming to your house, and I want you to come down, and I want you to, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to eat with you today. And that was something that he was later accused of, eating with publicans and sinners. And that's why that was such a big statement, because for you to be willing to eat with someone that was not part of, was not trying to live right or do right uh, for the Jews was sort of a, a no-no, was uh, off limits, was not done. And uh, in fact, in the Orthodox sections of Jerusalem today, you know, there are, are large signs that you can see that say, please, ladies, or don't come down here. And we don't, we're, we're, we're asking you to stay away from us and don't, you know, don't be here and don't be improperly dressed and all those things because they're saying we don't want to fellowship. We don't want to, we don't want to interact. And I understand. And, and we find you know, individuals in society, and we have, we're fortunate, we live an hour or so from a very uh, cloistered community, the Amish or Mennonite, and many of them do not. I mean, they, they'll interact for so much, and then they don't want to interact because of that sense of uh, you're going to somehow impact me. And I, I you know, it's a ditch on both sides of the road. I, I realize that we have to, you know, be friendly and show ourselves friendly and reach out and try to build a bridge. And yet, if someone is not uh, doing right and living right and they're pulling you down, sometimes you have to say, sorry. You know, I can visit you on Thanksgiving or I can visit you on Christmas or... I don't need to be around you. Why? Because just the very fact, you say, well, I'm going to help them. Well, you know, yes, that's great. I, I want people to be helped. But yet at the same time, I realize how easy it is. And, and, and you know, if you don't believe that's true, just spend a few days or an hour listening to uh, whatever channel you want to listen to. And before long, or reading all the reports you want to listen to. And, and before long, you'll find yourself speaking in the same words. Well, this is bad, and that's bad, and this is rotten, and that's rotten, and I don't believe this, and I don't believe that. And so we see that Jesus involved a meal as well. In fact, in Luke, he fed them on the seashore, and Simon Peter and Acts talked about how that was one of the proofs that of the resurrection was the fact that Jesus ate with them. The disciples on the road to Emmaus again felt that as a proof, and I mentioned Psalms 23, which does 
in fact, somehow solidify the good shepherd, the great shepherd, and how he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the verses that we often read uh, when we get ready to take the Lord's Supper and uh, communion, we call it, uh, is, are here in Corinthians where Paul wrote and said, the cup of blessings which we bless uh, is not the communion of the blood of Christ, the fellowship of the blood of Christ, meaning that that the that juice reminds us that Jesus died for us and that his blood was shed for me and I have fellowship with him the blood of Christ and the bread which we break is it not the communion or fellowship of the body of Christ and that's with each other and recognizing I'm part of a body and part of a church and then he goes on to say for we being many are one bread and one body for we are partakers of that one bread that becomes part of that, as I mentioned earlier before, just that sense of I'm thankful I'm part of the church. I'm thankful I'm part of a body. Oh, I know there's, you know, you, you can find fault and you can find, well, this and that. Or you can say, Lord, I'm thankful I'm part of the body. Yeah, yeah. Thankful I'm part of the church. I'm thankful that I was raised. I'm thankful that I was taught. And I was, uh, went downstairs and, and spoke to my folks this afternoon. And, and, uh, and my mother said immediately, she said, you know, I'm so thankful when I know my, my mother, my, your grandma, uh, Gerald, who uh, was a canon, and, and she was one of 13 children. And six of those were, uh, became apostolic and six became uh, Catholic and, and she said and then of course one was killed in World War two or one, I don't remember, World War II, I think it was. And, and so here it is, she said, I'm so thankful. I could have been part of the other branch. I'm so thankful I was raised in the church. I'm so thankful I was raised and of course I'm thinking, well, if you're thankful, that you know how much more am I thankful? Then yes. how much more for my children and for my grandchildren are we thankful for what God has done and led? And so we're part of that one body, that one bread. Then the words in Corinthians, the 11th chapter, where he said, For I have received of the Lord that which I delivered unto you, how that the Lord Jesus that same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take eat this is my body which was broken for you this do in remembrance that bridge remembrance of me this is supposed to build a bridge from wherever we are now to what the Lord did for us that's what it's all about is it's opening a door, a bridge in my mind to remember I'm not in this alone. I'm part of a body. This is, I'm not fighting this by myself. Oh, but I'm isolated. I'm at home. I can't talk to anybody. I can't, re I, this is to remember I'm part of the body. I'm part of a church. I'm part, I have, I'm part of the witnesses of God. I, well, you say, oh, you know, pastor, but nobody has called me and nobody, how many have you called and how 
many of you reached out to? I don't even want to go there. But what I'm saying is, you know, I'm, I'm part of the same group that were Peter and John and, and Paul and Silas that sang praises in the middle of a jail cell. Right. Paul wrote one time, I was all alone in prison and nobody came to see me. Nobody. He said, but the Lord was with me. What are you saying? I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm not alone in this. And so Paul says, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it. It doesn't have to be every week. doesn't have to be every month. But he said, as often as you do it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. And then he goes on to say, so let a man examine everybody else and tell everybody else what they're doing wrong. Oh, this is to turn the spotlight on me. Lord, what do I need to do? So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, not unworthy. It's not about worthy. I, nobody here is worthy but in an attitude or a manner that it's not unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, not discerning that I'm part of the body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Why? Because they don't realize who they are and where they are. Now these words were offensive even to the early church. And they were even more offensive when Jesus really spoke them in John the 6th chapter. In fact, folks begin to think when he was talking about this, that he was talking about cannibalism, that he was talking about literally eating his body and literally eating his flesh, drinking his blood. And this is why we don't believe in what is commonly called transubstantiation, that this is literally the blood and the literally the body because Jesus was accused of that back in John and he, because he made these statements, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. I am that bread of life. He goes on to say, your fathers did eat man in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And... and the Jews started fighting amongst themselves and said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said unto them, truly, verily, truly I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. And I will raise him up in the last days, for my flesh is meat indeed. My blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me and I in him. 
That's that covenant part. Dwells in me and I am him. As the living Father hath sent me, I live by the Father, so that he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Wow. You mean if I take communion today, I have eternal life? No, this is not what's going to give you eternal life. But if you will remember what the Lord has done for you, and you will remember the blood that was shed, it's because of His blood that you can have eternal life. Because of His body, you can have eternal life. It, it, this is symbolic of, you know, here we are. In fact, that's when Jesus, at the end of His ministry, at the end of His life, in the night of the Passover that He was celebrating with His disciples, just less than 24 hours before He's going to go to Calvary, He says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them. And notice what he says, Drink ye all of it, for this is the blood of the New Testament. That word there in the Greek means covenant. This is the word of the New Covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And I told you last week, there's a couple of Greek words that are translated as remission. One is ephesus, which is um, that sense of uh, a pardon or to be done away with. There's another word that is often used in remission, and it's a phimi, which is close. You can hear how close they are. And what he, he wrote there, this is the blood which was shed for the phimi of sins. And, and it's a little different word, and I'll, I'll explain it to you. But what Jesus was referring to when he said, this is the new covenant, all, it goes all the way back to Jeremiah, where he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. This shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my law in their inward parts, write it on their hearts, will be their God. They shall be my people, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. That whole sense of the Lord forgiving our sins. And I know we go down in baptism and we are buried with him, bad water for the remission of sins. But what this supper, this communion is to remind us of that covenant, that blood covenant. And, 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 and what does that mean, the blood covenant? When you, when you think in terms of the blood covenant, what it means is that we're making a covenant with God. Now, we don't always keep it, but God always keeps His covenant. And, you know, so when I'm sick, and I, I can't have anybody come see me. I can't get anybody. I can say, in Jesus' name. And because of the covenant, God 
hears. My wife talked about going by and seeing some folks tonight, this afternoon, and when she walked in, there's two, three, and, and immediately the presence of the Lord where two or three are gathered together. This last, this last verse, and I, I put it up here for you. When Jesus said, and we say in the Lord's Prayer, when he said, teach us how to pray, it's not the Ephesus, it's the Ephemi. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's Ephemi. Forgive men trespasses. Your heavenly Father will forgive you, but if you forgive not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. Now, peace is, is that sense of pardoning or remitting, doing away with. But a me means to literally cast it away. It's the very same word that is translated in Matthew the 27th chapter where Jesus when he had cried again with a loud voice yielded up the ghost. Yielded up there is a Phoebe. His life. It was thrown out. I know it's not a big difference to be pardoned or to have them thrown away. But this symbolizes that sense of my sins are pardoned. They've been thrown away. They've been cast into the sea never to be remembered. What a privilege that ought to be that I would say, Lord, I want to remember what you did for me at Calvary. You yielded up the ghost. You gave your life so that my sins could be forgiven and cast away. So, I know, it's us and it's, you know, it's Sunday night and it's some watching online, but we're going to stand. And if you were not here...